0: Welcome Night Watchers to another Night Watch Games podcast. I think this is number nine, uh, season four of episode 34. I made up all those numbers. Um, This is actually Pork and Brenda. We have a special guest here in the store, but before I introduce him, I want to give a background story of uh, why he is significant to us and actually probably significant to you. Five years ago, uh, Brendan and I were kicking around the idea of what Nightwatch Games was going to be and started researching what it was to own a game store. And so we did what every smart person does, and we turned to Google and to research the facts, because that's where the facts are. YouTube. Not really. But we did find a video on YouTube, and the title of it was The Top 10 Essential Characteristics of a Good Game Store, Hosted by the Dice Tower. Most of you are familiar with that crew. On the panel for that video was Tom Vassell, Z Garcia, and Sam Healy. In a panel format, what they did was they each generated their top 10 characteristics and they would go around the round table and discuss why those characteristics were important and why it was rated as highly it was on their top 10. And there's a lot of crossover between the three lists. There was a lot of funny moments Brendan and I listened to that. I must have listened to that video without exaggeration, no less than 10 times. Just getting it into my brain of what these experts thought a good game store looked like.
1: And of course, Pork tested me first. <laughs> he made me, he was in Africa and I was in Germany at the time. And he made me email him what I thought my top 10 characteristics were for a great game store. So of course I went to Google cause that's where the facts are. And I found this great video by the three uh, leaders of our
0: industry. And
1: (laughs) so I gave him all those answers. And he's like, that's
0: great. You're so smart. You're so on the nose. (laughs) So yeah, it was pretty influential. It was very influential. It was probably the most influential video I've seen on YouTube for me personally and Brenda. And then by default, it's influenced what Nightwatch Games is and the community that we've built. And that's you. So we are super proud, super lucky, and super happy to introduce Sam Healy. <laughs> Welcome, Sam. Thank
2: you. Thank you. It's very, very good to be here. I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is a, a, an amazing establishment that you've built, so it's really cool to be here.
0: Thank you very much. I don't know if you get this often or how humble you are with it, <laughs> but when I saw you well, at I'm very humble. <laughs> I'm short. <laughs> uh, when I saw you at Gamma. I nudged, but I said, there's Sam Healy, there's Sam Healy. <laughs> and it was that moment of like, uh, we're in the midst of greatness. No. <laughs> uh, do you get that a lot? Do you have a, a celebrity? Well,
2: because I was on the Dice Tower, people recognized me more often at conventions. And I, and I have to provide all of those things more often than not. Nobody knows me from Adam. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, unless I'm at a convention. You know, I think one time when I was in Homestead, one guy four years ago, uh, we were in Toys R Us. My son comes around the corner. He was looking at another aisle, and I was looking at a different aisle. He comes around the corner, and he goes, Dad, the people in the other aisle are saying Sam Healy's on the other aisle. And they're, like, whispering, and that's the only time. That's the only time. Uh, it's, it's always at conventions, which is fine and dandy for me. I do not want limited exposure. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what what I like. So, and again, it's not, I don't think it's me. It's the Dice Tower and I'm just a familiar face from the Dice Tower. I I think it's more of that.
0: How did you get involved with that Dice Tower?
2: Well, Tom and I have been friends since college. We, we met back in college in Pensacola in 1995. We were both summer work students so when all of the other students at the end of the semester went home we stayed and worked and we got a couple weeks off during the summer but we stayed and worked at the college to help pay for our college expenses and we were on the same hall that first year and tom was the one that had the computer then the good computer, the one that could run dark forces you uh-huh. know, yep, without yep. glitching and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And so that's how we got the connection. We were both on the same hall, so we knew each other that way. But we were both gamer-ish kind of people. I had a car so I could take people off campus. That was another connection. Yeah, so there was a lot of mutual beneficence that was there. Uh-huh. And that's how our friendship started. And from there, we, we've, we've just always kind of been friends since then.
0: Did you ever... I think I know the answer here, but did you ever predict that that would be sort of that celebrity status? That
2: uh, Absolutely not. No. I mean, no. I mean, at, back then we were just, you know, a couple of gamers playing, you know, Battletech CCG and, and Star Wars CCG in our dorm rooms and... And he was running some tournaments every once in a while. We had a couple of guys that went over the deep, <laughs> went over the deep end with uh, constructing decks, and of course they got a whole bunch, a whole lot better than we did. Yeah. But um, there was even some Pokemon in there. I never got into Pokemon, but there was also some Pokemon in there and and that type of stuff. But to think ahead, to to think that that would turn into what the Dice Tower is now, and me being able to work for a company like Mythic. No. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's I'd absolutely love to hear amazing.
1: more about how that transition happened.
2: Sure. Well, my relationship with Mythic Games goes back to Mythic Battles Pantheon, okay, which was a collaboration between Mythic Games and Monolith. Yeah. Monolith now owns the rights to the Mythic Battles, um, which is confusing to some people because... Um, it's our company name.
0: It <laughs> says Mythic. Yeah. yeah, but
2: it's it's Monolith. Monolith. It was a co- collaboration between Monolith and Mythic at that point. And that was my first introduction to Mythic Games. Uh, was when I was sent to a press event at Gen Con. I don't know how many years ago, but it was when Mythic Battles Pantheon was just a prototype. And they were spreading the word at that point. And it... Uh, it, it blew my mind. The miniatures were amazing. I loved the gameplay. I loved the Mythic background that it comes from. Yeah. And that was my first brushing of shoulders, so to speak, with yeah. Mythic. Uh, after that, they came out with Joan of Arc. And that was Mythic Games' first solo project, kind of our flagship at this point. And that hit more of a stride with me than Mythic Battles did. Because I'm 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 not smart, so I can't remember <laughs> I can't remember dates and all this other kind of stuff. But I love the story that history tells, and so that's what I, what really drew me in was the fact that this game that's going to have a whole bunch of legendary, mythic creatures in it. Is actually based in history. I mean, solidly based in history. That was what really pulled me in. And then I played the game, and I was like, "This is amazing! This is so fun! It's such a great game." And I and that was the next year after Mythic Battles Pantheon. It was the next year, I think, at Gen Con. Maybe it was Essen, uh, the same year, but I can't remember. Again, it goes back to that. Can't remember dates. Um, <laughs> but uh, that is what. Kind of pulled me in and and ever since then if i was at a convention that mythic was at i made it a point to stop by there and i made mm-hmm. it a point to tell people you need to go check out their stuff because it's really really cool from there i had a pretty good relationship with leo because he was always at the conventions so you know i, I was with them i had a pretty good relationship with with uh, a lot of the guys that were there demoing their games because they were always there, and I was always yeah. playing with them. When I made the decision that I needed to step away from the Dice Tower because I had to move, I put it out there. And when Mythic found out, they That's almost cool. immediately started started talking with me about what can we do, what do you want to do within a company, that type of stuff, How can, how, what can we use you for, You know that type of thing. Yeah. Mythic was the one that really kind of stood out among all of the others because I already knew I liked their products. It's kind of like you can't sell vacuum cleaners if you don't believe in the product that you're selling Agreed. and that's kind of what pushed me towards everybody else I, I respect them as companies that i was talking to and i respect their products because they're good products but mythic was the one that was like i'm already on board yeah. you know so
0: so what's your official title what's on your business card here
2: i am called the u.s community director okay. for mythic games and basically what that entails is I do a lot of stuff like I'm doing right now with you guys. Awesome. Um, interact with with uh, uh, content creators. Um, interact with customers. I just got through, we just got through it with Gen Con Online. And I was in charge of scheduling all the demos for it. So talking with people, make sure that they were savvy on, on the rules and the systems that were being used and that type of stuff. And that sounds a lot more highbrow than it really is it's 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 just you know talking to people on skype yeah Yeah. that's all it is
0: yeah you're good at that
2: so (laughs) so that's that's pretty much what i'm doing um as soon as uh, more restrictions begin to lift i'll be spending a lot more time traveling around and doing what i'm doing here with you guys showing them products and and reaching out to the community that way
1: does mythic games ever come down to pack south here in san antonio
2: you know what i'm this is my hometown. So, really? <laughs> oh yeah, I was born and raised here. Yeah, Didn't know that. Absolutely, twelve years of my life were spent here.
1: So you're always going to be a Texan. So, oh, absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can Appreciates take. Appreciates a good taco. You can take <laughs> burritos, are burritos, yeah. burritos are the best. Burritos are the best. If I can get us here, absolutely, because yeah, yeah. it'll be it'll be a time for me to come home. So absolutely, we can look at it. What we really want to do is we want to we're gonna we're gonna meet the people that are tailored to our games. Mm-hmm. That's what we really want to go for and we're hitting the big ones of course right now of course you know gen con we mm-hmm. had we always had plans to be there we were at gamma uh for the retailers we uh were going to be at origins we were gonna we were going to be at ukge mm-hmm. we were going to go back to packs unplugged this year essen of course is always there but the more connection that we can have with people who are going to be interested in our games the better. Mm-hmm. So as long as we can make it worth the company's while, yeah, we'll be there.
0: <laughs> One of the things that we do with Roxley is we host um, a dice throne tournament the night before Pack South. Oh, really? And mm-hmm. so the community gets to meet the creators. Mm. They have a tournament. You know, There's some signing of cardboard. And it's a pretty cool event. Mm-hmm. It's exposure for the creators. Gets hype for Pack South, mm-hmm. and then of course the store benefits as well. If if you're interested in that with that kind yeah. of mythic thing, we could coordinate. Absolutely. Uh, we also have an army, we call them endearingly the Army of Nerds, uh, <laughs> but we have a bunch of volunteers that would love to be involved. So yeah. if you need booth workers or demoers, super. We got tons of people that would love to help mm-hmm. you out. Yeah, we'll, we we would love to host mm-hmm. you here as well.
2: Yeah, that's that's right down the alley of of uh, Super Fantasy Brawl. So okay, that's, yeah, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, community that we're looking to build with Super Fantasy. Yeah, Brawl. think so. of San Antonio
1: as your your South home base here. Yes, there you <laughs> go. All right, yeah, cool. Nightwatch Games
0: home base. There you there go. go. <laughs> that sounds great. So that's a pretty good segue into the games that you're mm-hmm. showcasing. Uh, we. We're looking at three. There might be more. Uh, Super Fancy Brawl, Reich Busters, and Enchanters. Yeah. So, I guess let's start with Super Fancy Brawl. That yeah. seems to be the hot ticket now.
2: Right now it is. That's the one that's um, coming off of the presses right now. Uh, it's going to be delivered very soon to our backers. And we're looking at Q1 2021. Okay. Uh, as far as retail release. Uh, the The date that we are tentatively looking at right now is is january 2021 for super fantasy brawl um it's an arena combat game okay um, very similar to other arena combat Mm -hmm. games but the one thing that we hear from most of the people that we demo is okay i get it the turn that you know the the arena smash each other's heads in type of play that you have on the board got it So many other people are doing it. What makes this game different is our challenge cards, which is another way, actually a more efficient way, elegant way to score points, which is the whole point of the game. Okay. Um, It's, uh, you can play it with two or four players. And if you play with two players, you have a team of three champions that you're taking against your opponent's team of three champions. Yeah. And the person that wins is the person that scores five points first. Okay. Okay. You score You you score one or two points by the challenge cards, depending on where they are on the river, um, which is uh, the side of the board that they flow down to where if it doesn't get scored, it can't be scored anymore, that type of thing. You can score one or two points by those challenge cards. You can also score one point by knocking one of your opponent's characters out. And they don't die. They just get respawned back to their gate, and they can come back on in your next turn. Okay. And so it's this... It's really... it's this. You walk this tightrope of you need to be battling and fighting these other characters because they're pushing you around. You want to push them around, but you're also trying to score these objectives that are on the side of the board. And that's actually the better way to score points if you can.
0: The objectives are are public objectives, so anybody can try to score that particular objective.
2: But only one team can score them.
0: I see. Okay.
2: Because you, you have a your, your turn, uh, a round consists of you taking your turn and then your opponent taking your other turn or their turn. Uh, at the beginning of your turn, you have your scoreboard phase. So you have to set up scoring the challenge cards on a previous turn, on your previous turn, which is before your opponent's. Previous turn, so yeah. they have the ability to try to knock you off of those challenges yeah. if they can, either the by minute. knocking out one of your guys or pushing them off the objective or something to that effect. Yeah, but usually it's an area control type thing. Okay, um, those challenge cards are so it's 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 an interesting dynamic because you're not just duking it out. You're trying to strategically place your characters in such a way to score these different challenge cards. And doing so in such a way that it's hard for your opponent to knock you out of being able to score them.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: So there's a lot of, it. the, the, the way you play the game is super simple. I mean, it's, you could you could teach a kid, a young kid. Um, I can teach my my nine-year-old how to play easily. Okay. Um, it's on the level, as far as how you play, it's on the level of maybe just slightly above something like Onitama. But it's, it's very open. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I think a great number of ages will just really
0: take to it. Do you find that it'll be a transitional kind of game? and Not transitional where the gameplay is transitional, but you can convert non-gamers into gamers through this game? I, I think so.
2: I think it's a lot more... I think the closer the closest parallel to Super Fantasy Brawl that's out there right now is is uh, Warhammer Underworld Shadespire. Mm-hmm. It has a very similar feel to that. Okay. Because in, in Shadespire, you've got the gold cards that you have in your hand. They're not public uh, objective cards that you have them in your hand and you're trying to score them and so forth. But with Super Fantasy Brawl, all of those are public. The thing that makes it, I think more palatable than Shadespire. First of all, the the cartoon, uh, the cartoony nature of the artwork and the miniatures, uh, you don't have to put them together. Not that that's a bad thing. I love putting miniatures together uh, and I do enjoy painting them when it's something I'm doing because I want to do it, not because I have to do it. That's something else. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> <sure. Yep. laughs> It's more of a ready-to-play game than a hobby game because you don't have to put the miniatures together. If you paint them, yes, of course they're gonna look better, but you don't have to. The game's gonna come with uh, bases that uh, you put on them for your team, so your your characters will look different than the other person's characters uh, because of those different colored bases. But the the miniatures are, are big, so even somebody who is not very good at painting uh, will probably more easily take to it. Smaller miniatures are harder to paint, yeah. um, in my opinion at least. These are not small miniatures at all. You'll see them in just a, in a little okay. while, but okay. um, they're they're pretty blocky, they're chunky, yeah. And they're not going to get uh, busted. One of my <laughs> one of my favorite convention memories is playing Blood Rage for the first time with Eric, and and he took these mini- Whoa, Look what I can do! And he threw it against the wall. They're so durable, and of course <laughs> it didn't break. You can do that with this. You can okay. do that with these. They're just they're really they're they're stocky. They're they're hard ish plastic, but they're not. Good table-flipping weapons. Absolutely. You can flip a table <laughs> that way. Okay, yeah, all right. After Absolutely. reading
1: about the game, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that there are no factions in the game. Correct. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Yeah. Um, all of the champions can can be on the same team. Uh, doesn't matter where they come from or anything like that. They're summoned by the wizards to fight in these different... Uh, battles like fantasy, uh, football super of the gods. Yeah, <laughs> su- su- yeah, exactly. But there's no ball. Right? But there's no ball. It's no, there's no combat. ball. It's just yeah. it's just fighting and trying to uh, achieve the objectives that are on the board. Yeah. Okay. In the retail box, we're going to have six core champions, and any combination that you want to, you can. Some combinations will be better because the characters are are built to synergize better with some than others. Yep. But that's part of the fun of figuring out. How to play the game and so yeah. forth, um, but yeah, there is absolutely no factions. Uh, you choose your champion. You can ba- you can choose them based on how they look, um, yeah. the colors that they're wearing, whatever. Yeah, uh, it's whatever you want to do. So there's absolutely no. They come with a. They come with their own six card deck, and then your three champions make up in your 18 card uh, draw off.
1: And, and the and fact that they, they can't die, that they get knocked out, that's part of the lore, isn't it? Yes. Part of the story?
2: There's three different orders of magic. There's destruction, manipulation, and um, yellow, yellow, yellow. Um, I can't remember creation, what yellow is. I think. Creation, yes, that's yeah. what it is. It's it's a really cool thematic game, Yeah. but it's completely fiction. It's okay. completely, but it's a really rich universe, even for such a simple game.
0: Interesting. How involved are you in the creation process of the game?
2: creation process of the game is less i have less involvement there i'm, I'm more part of the marketing team mm-hmm. okay <clears throat> but we we do have a say in well not a say but we do have a part in uh the development process the feedback
0: loop yes okay yeah. yeah
2: so what will usually happen um uh y'all can the the designer of um, super fantasy brawl Uh, it's actually a a pretty neat story. Uh, The first time I played Super Fantasy Brawl was at Essen at Wolf Designer's booth. Uh, Wolf Designer is the creator of um, uh, Guards of Atlantis and uh, Warpgate was another one of their games. Um, And I loved both of those games. Yeah. And um, when I was there demoing uh trick shot one another game that they just came out with uh he's he said hey i have my my buddy here um and he's has this game would you take a look at it i was like yeah sure great i'll I'll play it and uh we played it enjoyed it and didn't think of anything else of it um after i came on board with with um with mythic they said hey we we, we've signed this game and uh we're we're gonna be we we've already run the kickstarter for it and, and all this other kind of stuff um, you need to learn how to play it. I was like, okay, cool. And so I started looking into it. I was like, man, this is familiar. <laughs> what in the world? This is so familiar. And, and it turns out, when I after I looked at it at Wolf Designer's booth, they went right over to Mythic Games' booth, and uh, Mythic Games picked it up on the spot. Wow. And I didn't know that. I didn't uh-huh. know that. And so when they were telling me, hey, you need to play this game, I was like, man, I think I've played this game before. <laughs> but I can't, remember, I can't remember where. And and that's when Artie, because I started, uh, this is when I was still with the Dice Tower, and I started talking about that on the Dice Tower. And Artie, um, he's the, 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 the CEO of, of Wolf Designer. Um, he said, you played that with me at my booth. I Hello. was like, Oh, that <laughs> game. Way to <laughs> so,
0: go,
1: Sam.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, now
1: it's, you gotta remember people's names. It's and really games, funny.
0: Yeah, you know? that's true. I'm horrible at that too. I, I would have done that. Oh, that's cool. That's, those are interesting stories. One of the things I'm picking up, obviously from what you're saying is a lot of this industry is governed by knowing people, talking with people, building relationships Finding people that do things the way you like to do them mm-hmm. and building that kind of team out of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's something that I think Mythic is good at. We're starting this new Phoenix line. We started it with Enchanters, which is another game we're going to be another talking game, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And we have a good relationship with uh, Gindy. So we've started this Phoenix line where we are going to partner with games that have already been produced and were successfully produced that way. We're starting with more with Kickstarters, that, and we're going to bring them back. And that's kind of the whole idea behind the Phoenix line is that we're uh, – The rising of the Phoenix. Ri- the rising of the Phoenix again because we're picking games that we enjoy. We're picking games that we enjoy and giving them – not necessarily New Birth, because we don't want to think that we're all that in a bag of chips. It's just that we're bringing it we're to a larger audience at this point, you know? And so that's what we've done with, with Enchanters. And, and, and it falls into line with that whole idea of meeting people, talking with them, saying, hey, we like your product. And we think you've done a great job. We want to bring it to more people. And would you be willing to do that?
1: Okay. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Is Joan of Arc one of those Phoenix games? No. Because we've talked about it earlier in the podcast Mm. and i personally have it on pre-order with gts yeah so is this just a new game or is it a (laughs) revamp of an older game or is that a different company altogether
2: no phoenix line is is just something that we've it, it specifically talks to that group of games that are from other companies okay that we really enjoy and we don't think that they got the fair shake that they should have gotten uh-huh. and before so we they wanna, went out of production. Sure. Yeah. And so we want to bring them back.
1: Very cool. I and like so that. And so
2: that's what we're that's what we're doing with the Phoenix line. Joan of Arc was something else. We uh, that was like I said that uh, was our flagship. Mm-hmm. That was the first one that we did on our own. And uh, we ran into a hiccup last year with the legal dispute with with uh, Pascal Bernard, okay. but that has been resolved now. And so we're back on track so to speak with our 1.5 kickstarter and we're looking at getting all we're focusing on getting all of that done and because it's it's been a while and we had to put the brakes on for a little bit but now yeah. those brakes are good.
1: Oh, blame it on the pandemic yeah,
0: <laughs> it, yeah it probably
2: <laughs> was the pandemic yeah so it's 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 really good but but yeah Joan of Arc is n- is more was more of our flagship. Mm -hmm. It was not part of this uh, Phoenix Line that that came up afterwards. Good to know.
1: Well, we cannot wait to get our hands on that one.
2: Yeah.
0: It's very difficult to make a 100% unique system. Of course. You're pulling from the ingredients of all other people's creations and doing the best ofs and trying to make a new conglomeration. How much creation leeway does somebody have to pull from a pre-existing game? Any guidelines that you see people follow when they make games that have similar mechanics?
2: When I speak to designers, the f- if the first thing that comes out of their mouth is a sentence that says, my game is like this game, this game, this game, and this game, and this game, or any combination of that, my first thought inside my head, it doesn't always come out of my mouth, but my first thought is, then why are you making the game? If your game... Gives me the same experience as this game and this game and this game. Why shouldn't I just go play those games? So and and I'm not trying to be mean at that point. I'm just trying to get them to explain to me what makes their game different than game A, B and C. Right. So at the core, I think, of your question is if we're designing. Why should we design new games? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And, and that's that's the crux. And I, I think the core behind that is is that I think we've been given um, inside of us the desire to create. That's that's ingrained in in us in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Whether it's you whittling with your knife a piece of wood and creating something out of that, or uh, a musician creating a new a new ensemble, uh, a new uh, composition, or if it's uh, a, an an author writing a book, or if it's um, you know, whatever it might be, a gardener uh, creating a new garden, th- that's kind of been ingrained inside of us. Okay. And that, I think, is the core of why do we create new things? Because we want to. It's part of who, what makes us who we are. Yeah. Um, that The design process is part of
0: us. Let me jump into a philosophical okay. uh, response to that. Sure. Do you think that humans would create if they were in isolation? Yes. I find that when I'm creating my game, I do it heavily in anticipation of the response of the audience. Sure. What's the experience that they are going to have with my creation? Mm-hmm. And that's my motivator. And I would assume that maybe some people have a muse in different forms, mm-hmm. but I was curious to see if you think that the human spirit would create in isolation.
1: Right. Without public affirmation. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think so because it's,
2: it's uh, You You would create things that make your life easier. Um, that's how inventions came about. Sure. It wasn't so, I, I don't think it's so much, hey, this is something I'm going to be able to market down the road. Mm-hmm. This is more, okay, I need to take, I need to get water out of this well. I'm tired of climbing mm-hmm. down there. How am I going to get the water in a bucket out of this well easier? I, I need to do what I need to do easier. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to figure out an easier way to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The idea that that we create things anticipating how it's going to be received is more of a modern concept.
0: I see. Okay. okay. But I
2: think the, the core of it, yeah, we would create new things. Okay. Um, why, why do people doodle while they're speaking? Because it's something that it's normal to do because it's ingrained in us.
0: So with uh, the building of some of the other mythic games, um, we have Reichbusters and Enchanters. Mm-hmm. What would you like people to know about that? Well, first of all, these are the th- first three products,
2: Super Fantasy Brawl, Rockbusters, and Enchanters, that we're bringing to the retail stage.
0: Up until this point,
2: we have largely and and, and kind of unashamedly been Kickstar- a Kickstarter company. Uh, so these are the first three products that we're coming to retail with in the U.S. market.
0: curious about that mind shift of uh, seeing, as part of growth, the incorporation of retail. Yeah. Uh, there's several different sales models from game designers. You have a direct sales model mm-hmm. where from the designer goes straight into a customer's hand. Yeah. Uh, another one where it goes through distribution mm-hmm. into retail and then from retail into the customer. And then you have the Kickstarter version, mm-hmm. which is uh, even something different. Is, do you have any opinions about what the future is going to look like? Are those processes going to become one process or is it going to stay separate channels of getting products into people's hands?
2: I think with anything, it's just going to be an amalgamation of sorts. Yeah. You're, you're going to have one area that bleeds into another and then There's going to be a Venn diagram that's there. Uh, I, I think that's going to be probably where we move to in the future. Okay. Um, where everybody kind of plays in each other's own backyard a little bit. Yeah. Right now, what we're trying to do, we have been exclusively a Kickstarter company. We have just during Gen Con opened up our our eShop where we're going to be selling our products directly to customers, whether they're retailers or consumers through our website. But we are also talking with distribution companies as well. Uh, for super fantasy Brawl specifically, we are going to be going with a distribution, but not exclusive mm-hmm. okay with with, a, uh, with a GTS. And so that's already that that wheel's already turning. It changed a little bit because we had, the, you know, GTS was going to be a gamma, but you know, mm-hmm. the proverbial stuff hit the fan Yeah, um, right before that. And so, and, and GTS is up in Washington where, which was kind of one of the epicenters for the U S um, they pulled out for the safety of their company. Yeah. and and their workers and so that was going to be a huge launch for us for super fantasy brawl but it just didn't turn out that way yeah so we had to kind of step back a little bit and we just had a conversation with scott um with gts and we've got that ironed out good yeah so now we're going q1 2021 with super fantasy brawl and uh Reich busters and enchanters but again there's they'll they'll have different launch dates, but, uh, mm-hmm. but super fantasy Brawl will probably be the first one Okay, uh, that cool. gets launched, but, but it's not exclusive distribution, mm-hmm. you know, with a distributor. We're also going to be able to talk to individual stores and say, no, you can buy either through GTS or you can come to our eShop and you can purchase from us there as well. Okay. I got
1: a question for you, Sam. Sure. And we just... sort of asked this of, um, our peers in the industry, whether they be publishers, makers, distributors, why would you cut in distribution or the FLGS when you can obviously in this technical digital world sell directly to the customer and distribute yourself? Why would you cut us in? The uh, larger
0: margin for you.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh that's a little bit above my pay grade <laughs> as far as that's concerned. <laughs> but uh you're familiar with that term, I guess. Yeah. But um Yep. Uh, honestly, I think the, 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 the company really simply wants to get our, our, our products into the hands of the c- customers. Mm-hmm. And we want to do that as much as we can, w- however we can. So if a company, if, if, if a store wants to come and buy straight from us, okay, fine. If they want to go through their distribu- gi- distributor, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if the customer wants to come to us, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. If they want to buy through their local store. Tell your local store to, to get it from us mm-hmm. and do do it that way. That's fine. So
0: you're keeping the options open.
2: We Yeah, absolutely. If I can say it this way, our goal is to simply get our products into the hands of the consumer. Maximum
0: exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
2: That's mm-hmm. that's all we want. And we want to make it mutually beneficial to do that with the FLGS as well. That's why we're having two champions that are retail exclusive for Super Fantasy Brawl.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just said the magic words. Yeah, exactly. See, <laughs> retail that's, exclusive. That's
2: what we're trying retail, to yeah. do. Retail exclusive is, is huge for you guys yeah. because it's honestly, it's, it's hard for you to compete with Kickstarter. It's hard for you to compete with the online stores.
1: Heck, it's hard for us to compete with Target. Period.
2: (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And Walmart. And so
1: when I hear retail exclusive, sorry for the interruption. No, you're fine. uh, Does that mean FLGS retail or does that mean also mainstream retail like Walmart and Target?
2: To my knowledge, we don't have any contracts or any agreements right. with some of those bigger guys big like box Walmart, Walmart yeah. or Target or anything like that. The only people that I know that we've talked to, and again, I, I'm i a grunt. I'm not um, back at headquarters. We're talking to GTS. We've got our eShop, and that's it. When we say retail exclusive, we're talking about FLGSs. Nice. We're not necessarily talking about uh, um, a Walmart or a Target, but again... Those products would still be open to those other bigger mm-hmm. retailers if, if they caught wind of win. us. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for right now, all that I know is when we talk about retail exclusives, we're talking about the FLGS. That's great. Yeah, one of the one of my favorite games has been uh, Memoir Forty Four over the years, and yep. and one of the things that really I kind of latched onto at the very beginning was the fact that every single scenario has a historical background mm-hmm. section to it and they actually encourage you to read that right before you start playing the game. Yeah. Because it puts you within the circumstances and the situations that the soldiers were in when they began to play and, and the last line of every scenario historical background is and the um, the rest is is history I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the or the rest is up to you. I can't remember it I just had it on my on the tip of my tongue but um, the rest is up to you or something to that effect. So now this is the situation that you've been plopped into. Now you're, you're the one making the decisions. What's your mm-hmm. history look like? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. you have the opportunity to quote unquote change history. Right. Uh, or modify history or, um, you've kept history the way that it was. Yeah. Um, because it also talks about, you know, um, you can actually look up and I've done this. You can actually look up those different battles online and find out what happened. Uh, one of the coolest um, ones that we just went through. I did it on online with it was me versus the internet, and it was the um, the campaign that was with that was between the uh, Russians and the um, Chinese. I think Japanese, Russians and the Japanese. There was a lot of that over in. I'm really bad at this.
0: <laughs> make Again, it up, make it I up. I love
2: it. I love it, but it's it's so hard to remember all the details. But it was such a cool thing because it gave you at the end, it gave you um, well at the beginning of the next scenario, it gave you kind of what happened at the end of the first one, and you can you can kind of quantify that with how yours turned out. Oh wow, that's exactly what happened in our battle. Yeah, and it just kind of naturally flowed that way because you're trying to do what would be best for your your side. Yeah, and it's it's that's just a really cool thing for yeah. me to do. Uh, another aspect of going back to the whole creation thing is that um, one of my favorite bands is a band called Theocracy. And he wrote, the lead singer wrote a a song called The Gift of Music. And, And it talked about that whole idea of creation is part of what's in us, and we desire to create. And music gave him that ability to create that was in him in a way that made sense for him. And so that's kind of what I think a lot of the design. People are just trying to in essence, uh, communicate with their world in a way that makes sense to them. And that's what it kind of boils down to.
0: Yeah. That's why I think I'm so keen on the reaction of my creation by the audience, Mm -hmm. because that's the litmus test of, is my voice being heard the way I intended it to be Mm -hmm. heard. Do, do people have the experience that I'm wanting them to have by moving the miniatures that Mm -hmm. look a certain way and they have a certain mechanic? It's an, definitely an uphill battle to try to get people to receive the experience the way a designer intends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to admit, I, I'm very fascinated with game design at the moment. I think I'm in the throes of it. So <laughs> uh, it's a curious conversation to have with other people that are involved. So what's the future look like for you? What, what's tomorrow in the next five years?
2: I don't, I don't look at the future like that. I don't either. I'm much more of a what's right in front of me. And what's my next step? And right now, that's at uh, I'm totally enveloped with Mythic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm looking at like for example, I just had a we're just starting a discussion with um uh, my marketing director with our schedule for uh, UKGE online. You know, what are we gonna be doing? Cause that's coming up at the end of the month. Um uh, the 20th, 21st the 23rd, I think. It's coming up. Yeah. So it's that's that's our next step. And we just got out of Gen Con and we're all kind of taking a break right now because of this is what we usually do at this time of year. Yeah. Right after Gen Con we just kind of take a breather. Yeah. Um, but we've we've well, we're we're already talking with Envoy about uh, if we're going to be using any any of their heralds to uh, staff any of our demos and that type of thing, and so we have to figure out how we can, and, and, th- and that's that's where I'm at right now. I'm 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 all about how can I help Mythic make it to the next step, and then after that, and the next step, and so yeah. forth and so on. Yeah. So five down your year, five years down the road, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Um. But I don't envision anything other than continuing to help Mythic mm-hmm. establish their footprint.
0: How is Gen Con for you now that it was all online and obviously a big shift in the dynamic of everything?
2: Definitely a big shift. Um, uh, I I, got to be honest. And I told my dad that, told my dad this, I was like, man, it's, it's great. It's working out great. We're having good interactions online with people, but it's just not the same. Mm. It is just not the same. It is and, and it's almost uh, almost if you think about too much of the negative, it's depressing. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Because you really wanted to be, you know, shaking hands. You really wanted to have that personal connection. You wanted to see people's reactions as they were playing your games. The online was I think the most I think it was a great shift. It's definitely not ideal for us as a company, but mm-hmm. it was a great shift. To be part of. And the reason I say that is that I was talking to a couple of people that, well, more than a couple of the people that I demoed games with. They said, you know what? This is the first time I've ever been able to go to a convention.
0: Oh, because you remote access. Then. Yes, yeah. because
2: I I can't physically make it to the convention for whatever reason. I can't get off work or I don't have the money travel. or you know, travel, yeah. whatever. I can't be there at the, at the physical convention, but I can be here online with you guys. And so it tapped into a demographic, whether it was on purpose or not, that was untapped.
0: Mm -hmm. That's, yeah.
2: Is those people that can't go to physical conventions.
0: Happy accidents. Yeah. Do you think that maybe the future would be the the mix of the two now I'm fully
2: expecting that next year. Mm-hmm. I'm online. fully expecting that next year. I'm I'm maybe I'm being more optimistic than I should be, but I think next year we're going to get back to physical conventions. Yeah. But I think we're also going to have online conventions as well. Suzanne started GenCon um you know, a <laughs> couple couple years ago
0: yeah.
2: uh, for all those people that couldn't go to GenCon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think stuff like that is going to continue.
0: It's got momentum there. Yeah, Yeah.
2: uh, um, because now it's a necessity. I think people are going to realize we're tapping into a demographic that has largely been ignored up until this point. And I think if it was as good of an experience as they were hoping it to be, they're going to realize that we can't ignore this demographic any longer. We need to do something online.
0: It would probably be a horrible PR move to not pursue it from this point because now people have had a taste yeah. and if you say, "Well, there's no more online yeah. con," there's going to be some riots. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah,
2: it's like it's like spitting or slapping somebody in the face. Yeah, it will probably and unfortunately boil down to the almighty dollar. Is it's going to be a? Um, is this going to bring in yeah. revenue? Mm-hmm.
0: Sure, sure. I
2: can't imagine that it has this. Well, it it cannot have the same overhead.
0: The overheads much smaller that a
2: physical convention has. It's going to boil down to manpower. Can we do both? And if we can, I can't see a downside to doing both because Mm -hmm. you're literally tapping into both markets at that point. Yeah. Both groups of people, people who can come and want to come and people who want to come but can't. And if you can satisfy both of those, I don't see how you could logically choose not to. Ignore it,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: So in in an online convention, Mm -hmm. I log in and I'm navigating to the different booths or the different sellers, Mm -hmm. and I'm watching demos of their games. Is that correct?
2: The way we ran it, I don't know, I can't speak for other companies, but the way we ran it is that we ran close to 52, I think, events over the course of the four days of Gen Con Online.
1: So what type of event... Just name a couple of the events that were uh, not something I can experience in person, that I can only experience online.
2: We tried to make our demos as personable as possible, where uh, we had a specific channel on our Discord server that you would meet your game master in, and then they would direct you over to either Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator on Steam. And those are the ways that we interacted with with our attendees during Gen Con Online. On top of that, what kind of was... The, the exhibit hall was called The Looking Glass with Gen Con Online. And you had to set up your promotional card with Gen Con Online. And you were we were able to set up five pictures. We could have a couple of different links. We also had a, um, a way for us to stream things during the convention as well mm-hmm. on that promotional card. We could program whatever we wanted to that would show up if somebody clicked on our company's Mm -hmm. thing. And that was kind of like the exhibit hall experience where people are walking by, so to speak, and uh, being able to click those different things that are going on.
1: So now that you've set that up, very Mm -hmm. easy to maintain. Yeah. Like you said, not a lot of overhead. Mm -mm. So will online conventions just sort of be a thing of 2020 because it's no longer going to need to have an occasion to do something like that? Sure. It'll just be a service that you offer all the time.
2: It could be. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening um, we have uh, we're currently revamping our our website mm-hmm. to be a little bit more modern uh, to be a little bit because it's been static it, it's you know it's been there and we've posted articles to that and that but it's it's largely been static mm-hmm. and so we're getting back to the point where we have to have a little bit better of a more modern mm-hmm. more user-friendly interface for our website and that's part of our eShop that's kind of been the central point of revamping the rest of the website as well
1: so the online convention now just becomes a place where people can get exposed to a name and a company a game that they mm. had never heard of before sure because they didn't go out and use the keyword that caused your name and your game to come up in their search results
0: yeah yeah it, I, that could be i think it's a more to look at involved it. interaction it is versus like say yesterday you would click on a company's website, and you'd see a lot of stagnant information yeah. about the company, and you would glean as much information as you could from it, and good websites would make that as easy as possible. This convention format sounds like it's very interactive. It is. You literally have somebody on the other side that's talking with you and helping you navigate, answering questions, showing mm-hmm. things, uh, maybe you know forwarding pictures to you that answer your questions better than a text would. So it's probably a lot more back and forth mm-hmm. in this new twenty like four
1: hour tech support to help <laughs> yeah. you through the game, yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: there's there's a lot of that. I think with the proliferation of of Zoom mm-hmm. and Discord, also gives you the ability to give to do um, uh, videos and to stream what you're doing uh, through Discord as well. I think with people becoming more familiar with those platforms. Mm-hmm. It's just going to make online conventions in the future that much more simple.
1: And maybe that's, I think you hit the no- the nail on the head there, is that it's about familiarity with, mm-hmm. the, with the resources that are available to you. Yeah. So we already know about being able to watch <clears throat> a demo of a game on Watch It Played or mm-hmm. Dice Tower or any of the other many options that we have. We already know about Tabletop Simulator. Mm-hmm. We already know about Roll20. We already know about all of these great online resources because we're interested in them and we seek them out, we're in the industry. We're in the gaming industry. So the convention is a way to expose those things to people that didn't know about them. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you don't know what questions to ask if you don't know which questions to ask. Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. So I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around why an online convention, but uh, that was very helpful in answering that. So thanks.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, again, I think it's really... The why boils down to you're, you're reaching people that have up till now been unreachable mm-hmm. because they could not get themselves to a convention. Mm-hmm. But now people's eyes, I think, are being opened more. The parameters that don't really exist in an online format.
1: I have to admit that... The pandemic and everything going on that is driving companies that make games to create tabletop simulator versions and do these interactive online demos—it scares the bejesus <laughs> out of me as an FLGS owner mm. because more than anything, I want to stay relevant. Yeah, and I'm, I'm asking myself, how can I stay relevant mm-hmm. as a physical store if all of a sudden you know this online interactivity is the new liquid gold, is the yeah. new The new jam, everybody wants to be able to have that personalized experience with the game makers. Where does that leave me?
0: I don't have that pessimism to it. I think there's an (laughs) an intrinsic human need. This is why we make a good team. (laughs) Yeah, there's an intrinsic human need for uh, face-to-face interactions. The video game versus the analog tabletop board game, I think, illustrates that need that we have. And while there's a lot of um, Venn diagram where people will want to go from one to the other and back and forth, it doesn't minimize the essential experience that people have when they're talking to another human being face to face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's essential. Like you said about the creation, I think it's just an intrinsic part of being a human person. So our need as game store owners and being able to give face-to-face advice or celebrate their purchase with them mm-hmm. or do a demo face-to-face, right. I think that's not going to go away. Right. You yeah. can have
1: a drink at home or you can go to Cheers where everybody knows your name. Sure.
0: Yeah. I don't
2: know if you've ever seen uh, Bruce Almighty with- um, um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Sure. And that scene where he, he's trying to go to sleep but he can't because he's got all those voices in his head and he's kicking- uh, he kicks the covers off and he's trying to go to sleep but he can't. So he's, he's so, he's just kicking and screaming and he's, uh, finally he just gets up and he, he can't do it anymore. That was me almost every night after Gen Con Online. Mm. After getting all the demos. I had a great time, don't get me wrong. Had a great time meeting people. I was very happy to do so. But I wanted that physical interaction. I wanted to see their faces and we just couldn't do that yeah. on an online. I mean, you, you can... But everybody has to have the same abilities on their own end as far as bandwidth is concerned and all this other kind of stuff, processing speed and all that kind of thing. And, and I don't know very much about all that, but I know it. you have to have some congruency there yeah. in order to have a good experience. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it just becomes a headache. Yeah. In a physical setting, you don't need <clears throat> any of that technology. You're just enjoying each other's presence. So mm-hmm. I don't, uh, with, with with us, with Super Fantasy Brawl, we're, Setting up online tournaments uh, through Discord. We're going to be doing that. But that's not the end game. The end game is to have that uh, that, that uh, organized play system that is taking place in places like what you guys have. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the end game. Yeah. To get people together in a physical place. That's the end game. What we're doing right now at least for me personally, is not is not the is not the, 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 the final countdown. Mm-hmm. This is this is uh, what we have to do now in order to continue interacting with people that we would normally be interacting with in person. Mm-hmm. Because like you said earlier, that's what people ultimately want. This is just the necessary rung in the letter right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. The destination is...
1: Until you can get back to the magic of playing with your yeah. friends at the table. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. There's an interesting power shift that happens here. Exactly. When, when you have people that can come to a physical uh, setting to play a game, that setting, the people that organize the setting, have a lot of power about the experience of the people arriving. Mm-hmm. You sort of engineer the environment so that they feel a certain thing when they come in. You can say things so that they get meaning in a sequential way manner the people that control the environment get to control the message sure. or the experience in an online setting that power shift is pretty profound because a a visitor has the power of the mouse click and they're like you know I don't really like what's happening here click I'm off to another room and they get to empower themselves to expose themselves to information in the sequence they want sure I studied this in literature when uh, physical books sort of went into a digital realm. The Kindle. Yeah. There Mm -hmm. was a shift of power from the writer to the reader and uh, some of the profound effects that had. I'm finding some parallels with games now. Mm -hmm. And that when you have an online convention or an online demo is the power really now resides with the viewer because they can click. They can fast forward, Mm -hmm. they can rewind, watch something again.
1: So we're victims to the short attention span.
0: (laughs) Maybe. If you make the stuff entertaining enough, they'll watch Mm -hmm. it in the sequence that you intend them to watch it. But they always have the power to say, I'm going to skip 10 feet ahead, and I'm going to skip this piece about Sam Healy's past, and I'm going to (laughs) get straight into uh, Super Fantasy Brawl. Right. That's a different message than the one that we're delivering sequentially. Sure. Um, That's my academic nerddom coming out. (laughs) Of constantly
1: trying to get me to watch videos or listen to podcasts. Uh And if there is a speech pattern that the person has, I can't listen to it. That's Because that's all I'll hear. That is the only thing I'll hear. Or if it's an accent that I'm having trouble understanding, I'm like, nope, can't watch that.
2: Sorry. Understood. (laughs) Understood.
0: Well, if they're in... A physical presence, you can probably endure better because there's yeah. other elements that yes. you're interacting with. But if it's just digital, those things become context helps. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I did want to. I did want to touch on. Uh, we've talked about Super Fantasy Brawl, and we mentioned the other two. I wanted to come back and oh yeah yeah, yeah. Please yeah. talk to those sure, two yeah. uh, mm-hmm. just to, just to give a little bit of basic information because um, they're both things that are going to be available in retail. Um, Q one two twenty, but Reichbusters and Enchanters are both, they're both of them are different beasts, so to speak, than Super Fantasy brawl. That's one of the cool things that I like about this lineup is that it has all three of the games have different niches, Good so variety. to speak. Um, Reichbusters has that more of a dungeon crawly feel to it, but it also has a really cool World War Two theme uh, wrapped around it, where almost like the Dirty Dozen, where you're you've got your group of of uh, elite soldiers being sent in to thwart the the the, the bad guys <laughs> yeah. and, and all of the supernatural stuff that they're doing they shouldn't be doing yeah um, and so that's what it, uh, Rockbusters has but Enchanters has a little bit of the same kind of fantastical feel that that Super Fantasy Brawl has but it's it's much more of a mechanical game than it is like I, I, Super Fantasy Brawl is more of the Marathashi let's roll some dice but yeah we have this brainy challenge deck over here that we have to uh, suffice as well. Uh, Enchanters is much more of a mechanically driven, uh, but it's still really, it has a little uh, flavor texts on all of the different cards and they're hilarious. <laughs> They're hilarious. I mean, they it just makes sense. And every time you 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 put a new enchantment or or a new uh, item into play, that that little flavor text changes just a little bit. Okay. It's just one of the little catches. Yeah. Um, that I know, Leo. He he's always like, "What what does mine say now?" You know that type <laughs> of thing. <laughs> so uh, there's that to it. But it's also very. It's a very. Um, it's much more of a cranial experience than okay. Super Fantasy Brawl is. But, um, uh, Right Busters is is up to four four players. It also has you know. Um, miniatures in it of course that's kind of our bread and butter uh, we we create uh, great miniatures for our games uh, through the dust studios mm-hmm. uh, so it's really uh, really top notch work there but um, it's more of a dungeon crawly f- type of game okay. a lot of dice rolling a lot of uh, variable player powers because each of the different heroes are very different as yeah. far as what they can do and what their expertise is um, and it has that very cinematic experience of of the elite soldiers coming in and just is this a board game,
0: or is there havoc. a lot
2: of terrain involved? Nope, nope. Um, we do have three D doors, um, okay, that we've we've created uh, along with the game. But it is it is a modular scenario driven game. That uh, is definitely played on the board. It's not a tabletop game. It is a board game, but it's modular. I see. Uh, And that you have different rooms that you set up in different configurations depending on the scenario. Okay. Has Um, it
1: been shown at a convention yet?
2: Uh, yeah, we've been demoing it at conventions. We mm-hmm. actually had it. Well, we uh, a, a friend of a friend of mine, Roberto. He he built our Tabletopia specifically for GenCon uh, in in uh, in uh, compliance with um, our our development team that created a special scenario for Gen Con So we, we we did that on Tabletopia, and it's it's up and can be played on Tabletopia right now. We we made we went through the steps to make it available. So um, we're going to be updating the the rulebook as soon as we get all that done um, on the Tabletopia, but it's there and it can be played um, by anybody, anytime. Uh, so that's there. Uh, Super Fantasy Brawl can also be played on Tabletopia. It um, has the rulebook there and everything like that, so you have everything you need. Um, Enchanters we don't have that set up yet, but I think it we're probably going to be able to do it. There's a lot more card content with um with enchanters, then With a these deck building other, game as well, games. right? Yes, mm-hmm. sort of. <laughs> You'll see it later. Okay, it does have that feel of a deck builder because when you purchase cards off of the off of the uh, the, the 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 row there, you are putting it into your tableau. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a tableau building game yeah. than it is a deck building mm-hmm. game because you can only use what's on top of your tableau, and other effects of the game will remove or flip over mm-hmm. or something that out effect so where it'll change how you can interact but it's it's a little bit more it's I call it a tableau building game mm-hmm. not a Doug building game but it does have that same
1: drafting sense yes yes, yes mm-hmm.
2: drafting sense to it but uh, I just wanted to make sure I mentioned both of those because they're not you know the the stepchildren at all they're there they both have their their niches and they both have their um, their strengths. But uh, they're they're both they're both also coming Q one in two thousand one for retail.
1: Great, great, yeah. great, and uh, we'll be able to get a retailer account directly with Mythic.
2: Yes, and purchase uh, our demo copy. I don't know the details like of it. I don't know the details of it, but mm-hmm. yes, like with Super Fantasy Brawl, what we're what we're thinking about doing right now, and I th- again, I think that it is um, uh, pretty much set in stone. Is that we've got packages that if you if you uh, if you buy four, you get one free. You know, which can be your, our store you know, demo. Yes, Perfect. exactly, exactly. Yep. So it's stuff like that, and there's different tiers that are that are available. So I'm I'm imagining since we're doing that with Super Fantasy Pro, we're we're also going to be doing it with Reichbusters and Enchanters as well. Excellent.
1: And if you do end up working with Envoy, uh, one of the heralds lives right here in our town, Joey super. and he's uh, a favorite here and yeah. I hope we're his favorite store and that's cool uh, but he comes here quite a bit when things are you know at the normal pace.
2: Yeah, that's great yeah we, we just started our our relationship with Envoy officially this mm-hmm. with Gen Con They're great. so yeah, they're super uh, we're very very professional and you know they they did a great job we had nothing but positive um, responses from their attendees so it was good.
0: Good, good. Awesome. Well, hopefully this is the beginning of something that we can step off of. Yeah. Uh, again, we, we mentioned about relationships and getting to know people and, and sort of joining each other's journeys. Uh, if you guys do come to Pack South, please, please give us a call ahead cool, of time. We and we will... Uh, we will host you. Yeah. I
1: think the longer we're in this industry, the gaming industry, the more we realize it's just a great big family. Yeah.
2: No, absolutely it yeah. is. Yeah. I mean... I mean you I always can't. have that step step brother that you don't
1: like. <laughs> 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 you don't have to like your family. <laughs> not everybody.
2: No, I mean, I I can't I can't tell you how many how many different times I've I've contacted people on Facebook. Man, I miss you. And it's just because I see him at conventions and mm. I'm not at conventions right now. And you're used to having that interaction with your buddies. Yeah. And um it's just not there right now, you know and 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 so i've i get people uh contacting me and i contact other people about how you know hey man i've been thinking about you because we'd be doing something right yeah. now if we were together yeah. so you know it's just we miss you and you know it's that kind of thing yeah. and it really does feel like a family mm-hmm. you know it it's mm-hmm. it's strange for you to think about that i know for a fact people do not understand that level of camaraderie that's Mm -hmm. there especially if you're part of the industry because you you can talk to people who are not part of the industry and they can understand this much Mm -hmm. you talk to somebody that's in the industry and they can understand this much. and it can be just a look yeah you know you just a roll of the eyes or (laughs) and they and they they're right there they know exactly what you're feeling and there's that level of camaraderie just you know you can't exist in other realms, but yeah, the family aspect from everybody at All right, we're family now, Sam. Yep, there you go, <laughs> yep, yep. there you go.
0: Well, that's cool, that's cool. I think that there's a lot, of, again, a lot we could talk about. Um, sure. I'm excited about the the growth of the industry and the fact that we are now accessing people that were not accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, in parallel to that, I think it's pointing to point out that we're actively trying to give voice to those that had trouble having a voice, Mm -hmm. Uh, Black Lives Matter and the movement and minorities in game design and the whole community. Uh, So that's encouraging that um, we're just trying to make the world more accessible, a better place. More inclusive. uh, More gamers. Sure. And as retailers, uh, we are encouraged that we still see new people coming into our door every day. Yeah. a lot of power to influence people, make their lives better, make people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're super encouraged to meet other people of like mind that are pursuing that same dream at the sort of the under current of all the practical stuff we do. I think we're just trying to make the world a better place. Sure. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. We yeah. love meeting kindred spirits. And there you go. Uh, as soon as I saw that video five years ago, I said, those are my people. <laughs> I want to meet them. Um, and that's we, we've met all three yeah. that's cool we, we, we got to have lunch. lunch
1: with Tom and Z at Gamma yeah. no at Gen Con
2: Gen Con yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's great
0: yeah a little milestone for us is we, <laughs> we met our heroes that's super <laughs> cool alright any last words Sam do you have no. anything uh, okay
2: I'm, I'm just ready to play some games all yeah bye. let's do <laughs> yeah we want to
0: see these games alright cool well thanks Night Watchers for hanging out with us yeah and we will have some more content put out here in the future I hope you guys are all safe and healthy. And if you guys ever need anything, please feel free to call uh, Pork or Brenda at the store.
1: Once things settle down, you can definitely look forward to uh, coming and visiting us and taking a demo of the Super Fantasy Brawl and Right Busters and Enchanters because I'm going to learn all three.
0: Very good. (laughs) Cool. All
2: right. Thanks again, Sam. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Go walk. The business part of me just woke up. Go check out our eShop. It's up there. Go check it out. Um, I don't want to get in trouble from my boss so please go check it out
0: <laughs> yeah what, what, what's the URL for that so- thank
2: you for asking uh, eShop is uh, mythicgames.net backslash
0: shop alright we will talk to you guys later stay safe adventure awaits